0: Canine Cast number 53 is brought to you by Home Again Pet Recovery Service and ID microchips on the web at homeagainpets.com. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara.
0: And hello, everyone. This is Walter with your Canine Cast recap in case you missed the last Canine Cast. Canine Cast number 52 we talked about separation anxiety in dogs and had an in-depth discussion about it and solutions. Plus, we had stories about dogs watching TV and had a couple of dog news stories.
1: In this show, we actually have a couple more interesting dog news stories because dogs have been all over the news uh, lately with different uh, things that we found that we thought that you all would enjoy. And we also have a question from a listener about dogs and catnip. So, to get us started... Um, The first story that we have here, um, last time we had talked a little bit about the dogs' genomes being mapped and what that means for scientists to start working on um, hereditary diseases, and specifically one of the diseases that they're hoping that this new research will help with is cancers. But there is another group that did another um, study with dogs and cancer. Now this time, it didn't have to do with dogs who have cancer, but rather with dogs who are actually able to detect cancer. Now, you may have heard, um, you know, different different stories of dogs who were able to, who are either able to, on a case-by-case basis, um, detect when a person had cancer. And we, you know, we personally have had um, experience with um, somebody who had cancer and after she found out that she did, said, oh, well, maybe that's why my dog's been acting so weird. She's been following me around whining for the past few months, and I couldn't figure out why. So um, so basically, what they believe is that dogs are actually able to sniff out, literally, um, some types of cancers in people. So this particular story talks about lung and breast cancers, and it says that dogs can um, detect this in the late stages and also the early stages, so this has some great ramifications for um, for helping with diet with diagnoses because some of the um, the tests right that that they have right now to diagnose cancer um, you know have some uncertainties with them. So the dogs could um, possibly help to help help them to diagnose this in people much much earlier. So that's that's really exciting. Basically, what the study involved was they had they had the dogs smell the people's breath and from that detect whether or not the person had cancer. The way that they did this was they started out by training the dogs to detect cancer um, on, on a person's breath from people who do have cancer. And they taught the dogs to sit in front, to either sit or lie down in front of a breath sample that included cancer. Or to just totally ignore and move on from a sample that did not. They worked with the dogs for three weeks, teaching them this, and then they had them. Then they had them work with. Um, there are 55 um, lung cancer patients, 31 breast cancer patients, and 83 healthy patients. And now of of the patients, they used ones who had not yet undergone chemotherapy, so you know, so the cells were you know there and, and working. And then they put, they um, captured breath samples from the human participants in a special tube, and then the dogs were ba- were basically um, presented with these samples. They would um, they would go to a test station, and then either they would sit or lie down if if it did include the if it did include the cancer, or they wouldn't if if it didn't. Or at least that was the theory. Well, what the results showed is that the dogs were able to detect it. Um, between 88% and um, well, um, they said they said with sensitivity and specificity between 88% and 97%. Um, so ba- so basically, it w- it they can they can detect it with a very high rate of accuracy. And this and th- a really neat part is that they were able to do this even when the results were adjusted to take into account. Whether the lung cancer patients were currently smokers, which you know, of course, one would think would probably change the um, the chemical makeup of their breath a little bit, change the way it smelled, but the dogs were still able to detect the cancer um, very, very accurately in there. Um, and and two, they all they also did test the dogs with both um, the the later and and earlier stages of both diseases, so so they know that um, that the dogs can detect this pretty early on. So th- so this is. Um, it's pretty exciting that, uh, you know, this, like, like I said, stories of, of this type of thing have been around for years. But, um, but this is a study saying, you know, yes, basically it's, you know, it can be believed to be true that dogs actually you know, can can detect this, um, that they do seem to detect it through smell since they have, you know, such amazing um, scent capabilities and so that's pretty neat. That's uh, one one more way to to detect it, and um, you know, and also, you know, maybe maybe as time goes on, um, you know, that that would be may, maybe a slightly more pleasant way of getting diagnosed than a, or at least getting a pre-diagnosis than having to go through all of the blood work and stuff right off the bat. So um, the the research was done in California. It was documented by the BBC um, from the United Kingdom. And they say that um, it will actually be aired soon in the United States. So that'll be something that um, will be kind of neat for us all to watch for. And uh, if anybody does does hear about it um, being shown, you know, please please let us know and alert us to that. And we'll, we'd love to uh, to kind of check that out and see that that research actually going on. So that is um, so that so that's the one that we had um, today about. Dogs per se now our next our next story, um, which is also really, really neat, came out I believe on the same day um, is actually not about domestic dogs but about their cousins, coyotes, and specifically coyotes in in urban areas so, so Walter brought this to my attention uh, he he thought it was really neat, and I thought it was was really neat. And basically what this is, is it, um, it begins It begins saying, scientists have long thought coyotes intently avoid cities, but a new study has found the opposite. And what this study is about is, in the 1990s, there were complaints about coyotes taking pets, stalking children in um, the Chicago area. So in the late 1990s, the County Animal Control Agency Hired a, a scientist to start gathering information on the coyote populations there, and this the study was originally supposed to go on um, just for a year. It began in two thousand but it's still it 's still going on six years later because the information that they found was so very surprising that their, um, basically their project kept being renewed each year so um, just to give you an idea of some of the of some of the things that they 've found that are that are really neat. Are um, that that first of all, the coyote populations in this in this urban area are much much larger than expected. They um, they only expected that there would be you know, a few coyotes who just happen to be used to being around people and in urban areas, and that um, they would be kind of you know exceptions there. However, they now estimate that there are between you know a few a few hundred and two thousand coyotes that actually live in Chicago. Um, in different different areas parks or um, abandoned buildings and then what happens is the animals they, they don't really want to necessarily be seen by humans most of the time they tend to kind of try to stay out of the way and are much more active at night they they also said um, it's very it's very interesting because coyotes generally are uh, are disliked by people because they're associated with killing pets and and livestock and just generally being a nuisance however um, they've the researchers have said that in chicago they're probably actually doing a lot of good for the area because they believe that there they are hunting vermin and they are also eating um canada goose eggs and um, the canada geese up there the population of them is just um is just really really exploding to the point where you know it could it could become a problem so the coyotes are actually helping to keep that in check which is which is really really neat now they said that um you know it's been it's been kind of difficult for them to study coyotes because generally they're pretty hard to catch um and they they learn how to avoid traps very quickly but um there's just you know there's just so many there that they've been able to catch several animals um and they just put a radio tag collar on them, release them, and uh, watch their movements. Watch what they do.
0: And by several, they mean two hundred.
1: Oh well, yeah. At this at this point, at this point, it's been it's been um, more than two hundred. So uh, so yeah, that's that's quite a number that they're now watching and and tracking what they're doing. Um, and they they say that basically they couldn't find an area in Chicago where there weren't coyotes, which is just um, amazing to think about. I mean, a, a city like that with people everywhere, and there's there's literally coyotes everywhere as well. So um so that's it's it's just it's so so very neat. Um and they said, you know, just to just to give you a rundown of some of their major findings, um, that um as I as I um brought up they're they're helping to curb the Canada goose populations and the vermin populations, which um they consider to be a real um a really, really good thing, especially in this metropolitan area. Um now, coyotes normally prefer to hunt alone, but if they if they stake out a territory, then they will form a pack to defend the territory so their estimation is that about half of the uh, half of the urban coyotes, half of the coyotes in Chicago live in packs, um, and the packs will be you know kind of similar to what you think of as as a wolf pack from their description here um, five or six adults and whatever pups were born that year. The packs will have a territory of about five to ten square miles, which is much, much smaller um, than the area that uh, a rural coyote pack would have. Now, on the on the other hand, the coyotes that you know that aren't in packs can cover a range of fifty square miles or more ju- in just one night. They said that um that the first coyote that they tracked that was you know just by by itself covered five cities in a single night which, um, that's just, that's just amazing that they, not, not only that they, that they do that, that they cover the, you know, all this, all this terrain, but that it's, it's city terrain and they're, you know, for the most part staying out of sight. So that's amazing.
0: People in Chicago must think they're taking the L train or something.
1: Yeah. I have no, I have no idea. I don't think, I don't think we could cover 50 square miles if we did take the L train, but, uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's really, um, amazing what they do. And also another interesting thing is that, the, the urban coyotes actually live a lot longer than the rural coyotes. They said that um, a coyote living in Chicago has a 60% chance of surviving for, you know, any any given year. So if they, you know, if they pick, you know, coyote A at the beginning of the year, it has a 60% chance that it will still be alive at the end of that year. Um, now, just, just to give you um, some, something to compare that with, they say a rural coyote has only a 30% chance of living for a year. So it seems that the, the urban coyotes, you know, their, their chances are doubled that they'll still be alive within a year. So um, it's just, it's just um, absolutely amazing. They also say that actually most of the coyotes don't pose much threat to humans in the city. Um, the times when problems arise are when people feed coyotes um, now they they said t- they said too that uh, you know a lot of that could be unintentionally you know if they if a person leaves food outside for their pet the coyote may eat it may come just to realize that food is there and come take advantage of that so um you know so that so that's when they'll you know they'll start showing themselves a little bit more they said it's not uncommon to see a coyote go through um, one of the urban neighborhoods. Um, but it doesn't sound like it's necessarily an everyday event either, because they they did point out that the coyotes seem to like to kind of um you know be out of the way and come out mostly at night now when when the humans aren't so out and about they said they don't they don't really want to be seen by people at all but um but I just that that just like blew my mind. I thought that was that was so neat that uh you know that that all these animals could be there you know living amongst the people in in a really really busy city. Where I mean, you know, as as a person, where do you go to get away from other people? You know, where do you, you know, where where would you even you know hide out and not see people? But these coyotes are doing it all the time, and there's lots of people who, you know, they're living right amongst them and don't even know that they're there. So it's it's also kind of neat because, you know, as as it is an animal that's that's normally somewhat a uh, you know disliked and and considered to cause some havoc. That in this particular area. It uh it does just the opposite, kinda of stays out of sight and the things that it that it does do for the area tend to be beneficial. So thought that was pretty cool. Thanks for, for sending that my way, Walter. So I can opine on it.
0: <laughs> I thought of you immediately when I saw it.
1: Yeah, well thank you. Um although we normally discuss of course domestic dogs here, you know, we figured that with you guys being um, you know, interested in domestic dogs as you are that this would be something that would be kind of cool for you too and you know Besides, it's the canine cast, so we can cover any anything canine is fair game. Um, so uh, we'll have the links up for you for those for those news stories, so that you can read um, a little bit more about them. Um, check them out; they're kind of kind of neat, and plus they have pictures, so that makes it even more fun. Uh, now we're going to go to a question that we got from a listener um, who wanted to know about catnip and dogs. Now this is from Nikki. Um, who writes in and says, I have a question that I have been trying to get answered, but so far, no luck. I have a Shih Tzu, Paige. She comes to work with me every day. My office used to be on the first floor, and Paige enjoyed looking out the front door all day and watching everyone who passed by. We recently moved into a second floor office, so no more front door that looks out onto the street. I have been wanting to get her one of those cat perch window seats so she could look out the window. We will build her a set of stairs so she can get up and down to it herself. The only window seat that I really like is treated in catnip. Can catnip make dogs sick or does it affect them in any way? I searched online and couldn't find anything. I can make a cover for the seat, but I am sure the catnip smell would come through. Do you think it would be safe for? It? Um, well, Nikki, for, um, catnip actually is considered, uh, from every from everywhere that I've seen, it's considered actually a very, very safe um, plant for pets in general. Um, as a matter of fact people who are who are concerned about um, planting a pet safe garden that 's one of the of the plants that's you know that tends to be recommended a lot and in addition um, you know a lot of households where there are cats and dogs, you know there will be catnip laying everywhere so the dogs are are exposed to it on a fairly you know fairly regular basis um, and you know the only the only concern that i 've ever heard regarding catnip and and pets actually is that in epileptic cats if they overdose on it, so if they have way too much of it, that it can cause seizures. But you know, but that's again, that's in one in cats that are epileptic and are prone to seizures anyway. Other than that, I've I've never heard anything about it causing problems. I've always heard it's very safe. However, um, you know, as as I've said, you know, a number of times, I'm not a vet, so I would recommend, um, you know, to check with your vet and and make sure to see, you know, what your vet says, especially since your dog's kind of small, so any um, so any effect that it does have, you know, might be kind of heightened because of that. But um, but but generally speaking, um, you know, cat, catnip's considered pretty safe, so um, so you're probably you're probably okay on that one, um, you know, just please. You know, make, get the vet's okay before you make your final decision on that. So, but thank you for writing in um, to tell us about that. That's uh, that's one of the great things that's got to be about living the life of a small dog is you get special things like perches built for you so you can look out of the window and and all those kinds of fun things to do. So, uh, so that's that's really neat, Anna. Sounds sounds like Paige is gonna really enjoy it when you when you go ahead and make that perch for her. So, And we love getting emails from our listeners. So um, we'll have the information for you at the end of the show for anybody who would like to send in questions, stories, um, or, you know, just information, feedback. Tell us what's going on with you guys and, and your dogs. Um, so we always love hearing from you guys. It's it's a really bright spot in our day. But um, before, before we go on, we're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. As a bloodhound, I have a pretty good sense of smell. Right now, I can smell a 7-ounce fillet with hollandaise sauce about 4 miles from here. Mmm, I
0: love fillet. I think I'll go see if they have any left over. You don't think your dog will run away? Your dog might think differently. One in three pets will get lost. Without ID, 90% won't return home. That's why vets recommend the Home Again microchip, a safe, permanent ID that can bring your pet home. Talk to your vet about Home Again and visit HomeAgainPets.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Home Again. And now it's time for Listener Pictures. This picture was sent in from Kelly, and it's a picture of her wonderful Boston Terrier named Ruthie. And if you want to see Ruthie, you can check out our K9 Cast Listener's Picture Gallery online at our website at caninecast.com, or those of you with color iPods or iTunes listening to the show right now, you'll see Ruthie looking right back at you. and She is really cute.
1: Yeah, it 's a neat picture too because it's a it 's a sepia tone so every every now and then we get um you know the black and white ones or the the sepia tone ones are one of the ones that 's done um you know in kind of special colors like that nowadays so that's that 's always kind of neat to see um you know the different ones that come in um, so and walter's a fan of with with his camera he occasionally does that you know with our dogs of course, for those of you guys who have seen our dogs on the on the website you know that our dogs are black and white, so i don 't know how much of the effect you get with them. Um, but it's still kind of interesting to see. So thanks once again, everybody, for joining us tonight. I um, just touched on a, a few different things tonight uh, and had a lot of fun. But uh, we we're so glad that you always come back and join us for the show. Um, you know, and thanks again also to our sponsor for you know helping us to you know to take this show on and continue with it. Um, you know, and that and that of course happens because of the support of all of our listeners. So we really, really appreciate it. And we look forward to hearing from you in on your emails and your voicemails. And for for that we're going to say goodnight. Until next time, if you haven't already, please remember to spare and to your dog. It's the best thing you can do for your furry friend.
0: If you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast please send an email to caninecast at gmail.com or you can leave a voicemail at 206-338-DOGS and you can leave a comment on our website at caninecast.com.